Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where today's going to be a very interesting day, as it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies. Um, Jesse and Johnny aren't here today. It's early in, uh, early in the morning. We typically record on Sundays, but, you know, you got to make uh, special occasions. For, you got you got to do what you got to do. But anyhow, if you're interested in last week's podcast, we did talk about some philosophy, went down that hole a little bit. If that uh, tickles you, then turn back, tune back into the last week's podcast. Check it out. Uh, Caleb in the house. What's up, man? Not much. Just hanging out. Rock on, dude. Well, like I said, today's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of things going on in the world right now, and there's a lot of explaining. Not saying that in, in, every, it's one person has all the right answers, but they're, the person that we're having on today helped me uh, about eight years ago on my journey to what it is, this world that we live in. And it's very interesting. Uh, I've been following this gentleman for the past eight years, listening to his work. We've had him on twice before, uh, but this time is going to be different. We're going to rock and roll, baby. Uh, Crow, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Again, uh, started watching you when you were using your telescope and, and looking into the sky. Very interesting stuff. And then you've turned it into a, just a, a beautiful thing, man. Uh, how, how's your website doing? How's all that going? Hanging in there. Uh, the rules keep changing. And now there's, what do they call it, PCI compliance, or I forget. Um, you know, the, the screws are always turning to make it more difficult. Um, and if you don't do the new compliance, which used to be the responsibility of the ISPs that is now pushed off on the website owner, um, and it costs, by the way, uh, then you're going to start to see delisting and they threaten to fine you each month that you're not compliant. So they always, they always find a way to get in there. They got to get their piece of the pie. And it, it, are you talking about censorship as well within that? Well, that had, you know, we uh, we run a free first hour and then we have membership and we typically, if we know something is going to get the ire of those who pay attention to censor, we typically talk about it with membership. But we talk about things too in the first free hour. The difference is we don't use social media. Um, we walked away from social media. The only thing I post on social media is just that there's new episodes up on my private website. It's really the only way we can proceed at this point. Yeah. Well, you got to do what you got to do, man. And you guys are rocking and rolling. And I appreciate the free hour. I'm a member as well. So I, I try and tune in. I got three kids, so it is a little tough sometimes. But uh, let's get into it, man. Um, I, I don't know how I really want to start today, man. There's just so much, so much things I want to try and pick your brain on. But uh, I know you recently did um, a podcast on addiction. And, and, and I'm not talking about just like addiction to drugs or just the overall, um, you know, just the overall picture of what addiction is. And, and is it ingrained into us type of thing well we are creatures of habit all of us i would submit that every single human being you'll ever meet is addicted to something um and not only that we learn by example a lot of learning we do is by example um, but it's pretty clear some of us have a tendency to become more addicted to things that are really not helpful than others um but you know, i forget who it was i think it was fortune that, that stated we're all addicted to something, and I thought about it, and I guess I kind of accept that's correct. But in this era, addiction is rampant, and that is because partially because of the medical system and partially because of the digital age. Uh, algorithms run the Internet and our digital equipment, and basically what algorithms are doing is fighting to see who, which algorithm can predict actions the best. The algorithm that predicts the actions the best gets paid the most. And so what we find in cell phones and gaming is addiction. And yet it is not human beings that are building in the addiction per se. They are, 
but the algorithms are looking to employ addiction because the main goal is to get as many seconds of your life as they can, whether you're on the internet, in a game, on a phone. Uh, so that's playing on addiction too. So with the, with the technology aspect of it, what was addiction like maybe in the early 1900s? Because they had to have had a way to, to use that then as well. Well, I can only speculate because I wasn't a first-hand witness, but we do hear things like there was actually cocaine and Coca-Cola. Um, there were other what we would consider pretty hard drugs over the counter, so I'm guessing addiction must have been there. Um, nobody's doing opium for very long without forming some kind of an addiction. Um, I just don't think it was quite as rampant because of the social mores. There was an expectation of acting like an adult, presenting yourself well in public, and uh, but then we know what went on in the 50s. Alcohol addiction was a real problem. You look at Hollywood movies from the 50s, and every time they walk into a room, they're lighting a cigarette and pouring a drink. There's your example <laughs> for addiction right there, mainstream. Yeah, it, it, so... I know that it's kind of leaning towards Rockefeller. I know there are more players in the game, but this had to have been their vision for addiction and, and propaganda to, to, to make what it is today, today. And I guess we could kind of segue into the next point is, do we live in the perception of the top 1%? Because if that's the case, then they fuel this. They want the addiction. Like you said, they want all the seconds that they can get. We live in a subscription-based society where they want absolutely all of your money, all of your time, and, and addiction's fueled by that. Well, I mean, you know, I recently find I found out not recently, but you know, within my journey, I found out that the Rockefeller was a big proponent of starting the education system. And then listening to your most recent podcast, he's also involved in starting the the medical field that we know today with insurance and all that stuff. So, is is it us living in their perception of what what they want life to be? Well, I mean, that's a tough one to answer straight away. But basically, what's come of us is. We have wholeheartedly, by our own will, jumped into hypermaterialism. The problem, that, that's a problem of its own, by the way, to forego the natural world and everything that we've been granted to concentrate on materialism. But corporation pretty much owns every system that we require now. And there's the end cap. So yeah, people are trading goods and services um, for the old values that we used to have, uh, and it's getting worse. Openly, the price for goods and services is becoming more and more and more until they're claiming, basically, give me your soul, which is a pun, but it's not. How many places did you go to in the last two, two years that said, cover your spirit, your breath? You know that thing granted to you by the creator that keeps you alive, that used to be openly known as your spirit? Put a veil over that, or you can't have goods and services here. Um, you can see where this is going. And yes, um, this is all imposed through corporation, uh, to some degree through government, but government is becoming less important all the time because of corporation. They own everything. So <clears throat> Rockefellers, I mean, uh, where, where does it begin with them? Like, where did, do you, I mean, within your research, have you found why, like just the reasoning behind the way that they are, because the, the family still has to go on. I'm assuming that they're still doing the things that J.D. Rockefeller, you know, what his vision was. It, do you still see some of that or is it just is it more evolved and it's kind of just taking its own evolution? Mm, the things that were started like a good a good line in the sand is pre 1930s. In the, in the pre in the era of pre 1930, there was homeopathy, 
in this world, which provided remedies, which actually healed people. What we call Rockefeller medicine, and I've had first, I've interviewed people that were around then, firsthand accounts of what was going on. There came a point when the homeopath doctors uh, were both MDs and homeopaths, and they became the last generation where homeopath was going to kind of fall off our radar. Although uh, a certain senator made laws that guarantee we can buy homeopathic remedies over the counter for all time without a prescription. But what actually happened is the oil barons, we could say Rockefeller if we like, realized that, hey, if we make these medicines, they'll all be based on petrochemicals, so we'll get paid there. And these are not remedies. These are drugs. They do things like suppress the symptoms, which is your body screaming for help. Well, that's what a symptom is. And most of these drugs that are issued suppress the symptoms. So they create an endless loop of not only are we getting paid for the manufacture of these petrochemically based drugs, but the drugs are not curing people. And as a matter of fact, uh, in the day that we live in, if you take a drug now, uh, there's a common idea that within a year or two, you'll be on four or five drugs and all the side effects that come with those require other issues. In other words, it's a self-perpetuating loop that, yeah, you can pin that to the Rockefeller doorstep. It is commonly called Rockefeller med medical industry or uh, for that, the education. Um, it's, it's all in companies encompassing. And what it basically happened is people with the most money started buying their way into places. We covered that the universities had been corrupted um, by around World War II. So right now, a university requires money to operate, and the people who give them that money get to have a say, or maybe they have all the say in what gets researched or what gets done. Um, and that's where we are now. That's just insane to me that that we've allowed that. You know, we've we've gotten to a spot. I mean, with, with the population, and who know who knows what the true population of this world is, but just America in general, how this propaganda machine has continued to just be evolving in itself, and people will just hook, line, and sinker. And I know it's a part of propaganda and brainwashing just from birth. I mean, it's it's just so insane, Crow, that they're able to do this and get away with it. And it doesn't seem like it's going to stop, man. Like it, like you said, like this train's going where it's going, and there, there's no derailing it. It's shameful. It's shameful that the best among us uh, were dealt with so deftly um, back in the day. Um, and this was a time before the human mind had fallen to the level that it has fallen now. This was before television. This was before, you know, movies were ba basically what is American culture. We don't have culture in America. What we have in America is we watch some TV shows and we like some movies. That is the whole of American culture. We are bereft of culture. And the idea of culture is uh, true culture is that the last generation had been handed these ideals and they handed forward what was important, not because they liked it, not because it was popular, because it had a meaning and an importance within societal, you know, moving forward in society. These were important ideas that helped bind everybody together in common cause and taught the lessons that had been learned by the previous generation. We don't have that. And so what's happened is we learn by example, and our example has become TV, a cell phone, and movies. And that is wholly propaganda at this point. Very, very true. So like with Caleb here, um, I'm, I'm interested to kind of hear <laughs> there's, what you... There's, so, there's a lot to unpack here with this, and 
I'm I'm trying to think of ways to say what I want to say and not like <laughs> cause your channel to be flagged. <laughs> oh no, dude, it's it's all it's all good. I, I'm I'm pretty uh, much I'm pretty much done with YouTube at this point because it, it YouTube is YouTube. But like Crow, with like for an example for and, and I know there are still people out there like yourself and then you know some people like us as well. Like I told you earlier before the podcast started, like Caleb in in, in part of the movement of of the Missouri Liberty Initiative, Missouri Freedom Initiative, Missouri Freedom Initiative is there are grassroots movements happening in states, and basically what what they're saying is you have to work within the matrix of the legal system to try and, and make these types of things happen. Again, they made Missouri the freest gun state in in all fifty states, so there is. I guess a breath of fresh air somewhere within, within this dismal world that we live in. Would you not agree? Sure. There's a lot of people who have taken an interest in natural childbirth. That is not just a big deal. That is a huge deal. Every child born naturally into this realm is hope for the future of humanity. Every one of them. There are all kinds of people who are looking at natural law, their rights, uh, what the name did to us when we came through the port of entry called birth. Uh, there are tons of people re-examining these things, but the truth is um, a lot of people are going to fall during what the, what's been done here. This train is, in fact, on the track. It's going to a destination. The sad truth is, is that we all have the power to help shape that destination, but very little of that has been going on as we see. But the other thing that we can logically work out is all these casualties of people who said, sure, roll up their sleeve, did whatever they were told. Um, on the other side of this, the people who did not will be far better equipped to try to forge something more worthwhile than what we've just experienced from basically the turn of the new millennium forward. Yeah, well, I'm a little bit part of that nature train, man. Like, um, So we, I have three kids. The second one we did all natural. And then the third one we did all natural, had a midwife and did it in our house, man. And it was the most beautiful thing. It, it just seemed like that's how it was supposed to be. Just in our house, our two daughters, uh, four, and, four and two at the time, they were there. They watched it happen. They got to be a part of it. You know, it was just, the, it was the greatest experience ever, man. Like, literally. It was a million times better than being in a hospital where you, you really don't feel welcome. They pressure you. They try to inject, you know, chemicals or what have you into, into these little newborn babies' bodies. I, you know, it's just it was it was an amazing experience. How is it that we've came, come to to a period of time where that's acceptable on any level? Not just is it acceptable; it's expected by most of us. And the truth is, is what we've done is we have forgotten and ignored that there is no lie in the natural world. The natural world granted each of us the divine spark, free will, and has made us beneficiary of this creation. And at some point, the sleight of hand of corporation and other powerful concerns basically convinced us that the creator, if you want to think of it that way, or the creation doesn't really know how to start new life anymore. we got to do all these synthetic things to a new life because um, the creator, whoever you want to recognize, forgot how to make a human being. And it's, it's beyond backwards. So does that tie in with anything? So what are your thoughts? And I don't know if you really want to go down that road, but like um, just with the, with this Roe v. Wade and the abortion aspect, um, what, what are your kind of thoughts on that when it comes to creation? I don't have any thoughts on that. I don't watch the news and I don't care for politics. It's all just a put up. It's agenda driven. It's meant to divide. It's meant to keep our minds busy with things of 
little importance because we will have no input to how they come out. And I took the time, you know, I did the polit the political nature of the United States. I, even bands like Green Day put out albums calling us American idiots, and they were right. I went back to show how we got the political parties. There was a banker named Norman Montague or Montague Norman, I forget which. He came from the Central Bank of in England, which was going to be the model for our central bank. In 1924, he came over, gave a speech to the bankers of this country, and he didn't even mince his words. He basically said, now we've got our political parties in place. We can get people to fight about things endlessly that don't even matter while we take over the world. That's what politics is for. For a sure. human being cannot be stuffed into a left or a right box. A human being that still thinks is far more complex than these minuscule, childish ideas of conservatism or liberalism. And as a matter of fact, uh, most people you will meet wouldn't fit on one side or the other neatly otherwise if they were thinking to themselves. They might be fiscally conservative, as we would call it, and socially liberal or vice versa or any number of things. But instead, what we see is they've been programmed and they have taken the spellbound bait of red and blue and division. And when I was young in this country, I still remember John Wayne getting up at what was it? It was maybe the Academy Awards or something. And conservative John Wayne stands up and says, well, my guy didn't win, but we're all Americans and I'm behind him because I'm an American. And that was going on in the early 70s. You can't even get a Democrat and a Republican to look each other in the eye. This spell has worked so beautifully as to be one of the most damaging things this country has ever endured. And I'll go ahead and throw television and cable news right in there at the top with this spell of division and hatred. For sure. You got anything? I mean, that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty obvious statement there. I mean... Oh, God, let me see here. Um, going back to the whole thing of um, people that uh, really know what's going on and um, kind of going back to what it should be, um, on top of the Missouri Freedom Initiative thing, I, I work with some other folks, um, and, I mean, they're sick of this system. They're flat-out sick of it. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way I can, do, I can say this without compromising information. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it, up here in North, 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 you know, Northwest Missouri, um, like there, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of folks here. I mean, they work with the Amish. We work with, um, just about anybody to, to, to create a separate system outside of this garbage. Um, and I mean, then you have folks like down in Southern Missouri, you ever, ever watch like, uh, uh, I don't know if you do, but like prepared homestead channel on youtube um i've been down there where he is when they he's done expos and whatnot one of the big things that you find out when you go to like his expo per se is that there's a lot more like-minded people that you that you might think um i agree when it comes to uh just wanting to get the hell away from the system and the reality is is that with everything that's going on in the world you have the you know all the uh garbage coming out of the world economic forum and you have the uh, all the global agendas, and uh, I would say about four out of five people, if, if I were to take everybody I know and then put a number on it, four out of five of them, you know, are uh, of the position that, uh, yeah, this shit needs to fall. Um, 
and you need to be prepared for it to fall, and you need to have a separate system established. So when it falls, you're not affected by it, and you're not dependent on them with their little reset. Self-sufficiency is basically what you're getting at, and this comes back to the materialism and goods and services. So many of us have been on this kind of gravy train um, of, oh, if I need food, I just go to where someone else provides it for me. Oh, um, I need a car. I don't know how to make a car, but I'll buy it. And by the way, I like these cars that do everything for me, and I don't really care that I now hate they're those putting cars, kill by the way. switches. I absolutely hate those cars, by the way. If it's got a bunch of electronics in it, I don't want it. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. They just recently passed their little fake laws that allow them to put kill switches in all these so-called smart cars. In other words, there's your digital fence coming to an automobile near you. Um, wait, wait, wait. Not, it, only that, not only that, it records everything you do. So you know the insurance companies will use that for reasons why you don't get covered or whatever they might do. They already do that. They have the program where you could plug a thing into your... Uh, your uh, unit there, but uh, I mean, I, who's to say I can't go in there and clip a few wires, eh? <laughs> well, the, this this becomes the crux of the matter. Um, you know, when I talk to people who remember the older world, pre nineteen pre World War Two, basically, an adult was autonomous. They didn't need someone to tell them what they could or couldn't do. They they recognized the world, they made decisions along the way, they raised their family, they were responsible for their family, and up until my grandparents, it was very rare to see people who didn't have a garden in their yard. And this is self-sufficiency. And what is coming, or what they want to come, whether or not they achieve it, is they want the world on UBI, Universal Basic Income. And at that point, if you don't do what you're told, you don't get money, and you're going to have a difficult time in the world. But how is it that implementing something like UBI is even possible? But there's an answer for that, too, because we are living right now and have been for some time in the wealth stripping um, portion of what's to come. And there are so many people who have just been broke. And, and I'm not talking the usual lower classes of society, either. In Rhode Island, where I am, as an example, COVID, they did all these things to break every system and every business they could. And then they told the landlords, oh, your tenants don't have to pay rent because they can't afford it, because they're broke because of COVID, but you can't kick them out. So now, for the first time, we're really seeing the workaday people being terribly affected. And then the people above, who typically were what we would call middle class, they're being broken too. And this is all in the guise of an emergency that never actually really existed. You know, what's, the, what's funny though, and, and the, you know, um, when it comes to waking people up to what's going on, um, there's a couple ways of going about it. For one thing, when people are desperate, they look for answers. And if you can find the people that are in these spots where they, they're trying to figure out what's going on and you can provide them the answers before the government does, um, that's, that's one way about it. Another thing is, uh, oh, God, I, th I lost my train of thought there. Um, well, I, I would point out that I don't really consider that the government ever has answers what they, they have. <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean, though. Answers. Right. Big old air quotes. Answers. There you go. Yeah, it, Answers. Agenda. It's agenda that's been going on longer than my grandparents were even alive and probably oh, well before that. And this is another thing that cracks me up about politics. Can you please point me to the supposed supreme leader of this country that benefited to any degree what we're about? 
the best we can do is look back and say, well, this guy damaged us less, maybe. But that's that's a function <laughs> of how far into the agenda are. And that now everything is done in the open. The idea is that they're so big, they're going to steamroll and you can't stop them. You know, back in the 70s, we weren't quite quite there there. But but even that you look at the most benign presidents of all time, like, let's say, Jimmy Carter. Everybody thinks. Oh, that oh come on. That, that guy established the Department of Education. You call him benign. Well, this is the perception. <laughs> they think Jimmy Carter is this little weenie who couldn't get anything done. And what you just pointed out, critical. But you know something? He stacked more people from the Trilateral Commission in government than had ever been done before. There is no example of an effective governance since long before I was alive that we go back to the New Deal. Go look at what the New Deal is about. This is the slow creep of the subjugation of or the attempted mm-hmm. subjugation of the rights of a living man or a living woman. That's what this is about. Let, let's just say that people, uh, other folks that I, I associate with outside of uh, the Missouri Freedom Initiative are very, um, they don't give a damn about the law. <laughs> but does, does that even go back further? What was the true purpose of the Constitution then at that point, Crow? It's hard to know. We can speculate. But when you think of things like so-called common law and when you think of things like the Constitution, you have an idea that there were actually men with a care for a living man or a living woman. And an idea of what the creator had granted us all. And part of proving that that was probably the case is it lasted less than 100 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, less than a hundred years, uh, the Constitution didn't stand as what it was once was, and then slowly over time, each of us is reclassified. Currently, if you are a citizen, you are classified as an enemy combatant, and most people think the Constitution applies to you, and it does, except legally, in the legal Fugazi construct that's been built up, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You're an enemy combatant in their eyes. Does that make it true? Well, no, it doesn't. I know who created me. I know how I got here. I know I was granted the divine spark. But the problem is you can know that all day long, but you still have to be able to survive and get along. And these are the problems that we face now. And so the Constitution, well, that's problematic. You can't walk into a courtroom and expect to get the benefits outlined in the Constitution because they've created a parallel idea. Mm-hmm. They've created a straw man identity for you. They've put you in a trust. They've turned you into a trustee. And while that doesn't have to be true, you have to know how to conduct yourself for it not to be true. Or what they're going to do is say, oh, we just formed a contract. A contract is law. And now here's what's going to happen to you. These are the problems of our time. And it's exactly what Caleb was saying. People are waking up to these realities uh, slowly. Believe me, you, you, we, we could all hope it happened. Well, you're, a lot you said you're you're in Rhode Island, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's your problem. <laughs> well, I mean, th- this is what I hear all the time. Oh, it's not red or it's not blue. No, it's not the problem. Everything is the problem. You think you're going to find some magical state that's better than where I am? That is going to be better than where I am ten years from now if we stay on this train? It won't matter at that point. It, well, point being that it being is that. I don't give a damn what the government does in an area, but when you're talking about an area where, I mean, we have, it's been only the last couple of years that most of the state has internet. <laughs> so, uh, that's uh, a help in one way. Uh, people here know what's going on. We're heavily filled with, uh, Amish and native populations. Um, even, uh, 
I know there's an auction up in uh, up around Bethany, and um, last time that was going on, my buddy Charles was up there, and uh, he was talking about some of the folks he met up there. He met the first uh, black Amish man that he's ever met, um, and uh, I, you know, there's there's people, there's more people coming from everywhere, even from the cities that are going up there, and uh, of all people, the far left leaning, whatever you want to call it. Um, Black Amish, or, or not? They're the they're the uh, Black Nationalists group. Um, came up there, and they were complaining about how the city folk won't do anything for themselves. Well, it's a good point. Self sufficiency is going to be more and more important every day we go by. If you're not growing your own food or mm-hmm. doing things that would allow you not to be subject to the will of another because you don't know how to heat your house or you don't know how to put food on the table, that's a given. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed people who work regularly with some of the Amish, and he went in and he asked one of the elders, How is it that COVID didn't affect you? And the man looked him in the eye and says, Because we don't watch TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this, it, this is the case in point. But the idea of left-leaning or right-leaning is it's a spell. You do not have constitutional protections in their system. You do not have mm-hmm. the rights of a living man or a woman. You are classified as an enemy combatant. So to go back to the red-blue idea is just to further the spell. Oh, I know. How, how are we self-sufficient? How are we caring for one another? How are we claiming and defending the rights granted to us by the creator, which this system works so mightily to subjugate. These are the real issues. And, you know, among the most damaging things I've seen in my lifetime is cable news. 24-7, it never stops. And so many people sit there with their mouth hanging open, drooling, and they have quit to quit being autonomous adults. They become parrots where their language, their ideas are all seeded from watching a television spew political nonsense in a system that doesn't even recognize the rights they were born with. I got two things to that. So one thing, the most interesting thing for me when I had my first child, it was was very strange, is that, and I didn't even know that this was going to be an option, but we did do it at the hospital with the first birth. And, um, you know, we were new parents, what have you. And when we did our our birthing plan, the, the lady asked us, she said, do you want to give your child a social security number? And it, and to me, like, I wasn't ready for that, you know, like, I didn't know, like, we're already in the system. So, I mean, obviously we, we did it, you know, and looking back at, you know, I don't know if, even what that means. You know what I'm saying? If we didn't give our children social security cards, it's crazy. It's a that big decision. It means sovereign it citizen status. Decision. Sovereign citizen status. Same thing the Amish do. In fact, if, yep, another thing too, up at that Bethany auction up there, it, it, there's, there's people up there that, uh, um, they have a, because it's on Amish property, the, the, the sign out there by some of the, the concession stands they have says, if you are of sovereign citizen status, let us know so we don't charge you sale taxes. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, you, I mean, you're making a valid point, but the Amish are a little different, aren't they? Because they are self-sufficient mm-hmm. and they are not dependent on goods and services and they are not expecting some magical retirement at 65 and all these things, uh, a bank account that draws interest, all these things. So it is a big decision to to decide whether you're going to certify your child or not. Common sense would say that's a terrible thing to do, but the truth is if you don't, now you get along and you got to get along in the system. And it's a commitment. Um, 
I, I don't fault anyone for the decisions they make. It's in, up to each individual. But the truth is, is that system that is put before us when a new life comes into this realm is the beginning of the subjugation of rights. It's right there. And the Amis are stepping aside, but it's not that they just stepped aside. They are self-sufficient. They make what they need. They feed themselves. And for a lot of people, that's generations away. You know, they live in a city and they don't know what they would do without, you know, a utility heating their apartment or a supermarket putting food on their table. Mm -hmm. And it's all by design, I feel like. So I, I guess my next question, and you, and you kind of answered it, but I, I, don't, I don't know how to like break it down even further. I was going to ask you, were, were human beings really even ever ready for the Internet? But, it, but even in that aspect, I don't even think that we were really even designed or ready to look at TV or to, to be consuming TV. I make a good point. Look at the damage it has done and look at what one of my opening statements is. We don't have culture. We watch some entertainment. It's a hell of a thing to make the claim that entertainment is culture, but I would defy anyone to tell me that's not true in the country that I live. And there may be enclaves of fourth or fifth generation Italians that still remember old world cultural things they do, but it's so bad that I remember being in my late 30s or early 40s and thinking to myself, do I feel like I'm grown up yet? How in the hell can an adult man in his 30s or 40s be thinking, do I feel grown up yet? If I would have been born Jewish, there would have been a bar of bat mitzvah saying, now you're grown up. If I would have been in some of the Latin American cultures, there would have been a quinceanera of their culture telling them, put away your childish things. Now you have to take on responsibility. And these ideas, too, are bereft from the average American life. And I've seen some pretty convincing arguments that what basically has happened in the subjugation of so many lives and rights is that they've created adult children. And what was mm -hmm. funny is I had heard that in an interview and I heard really good reasons to support that line of thinking. And I happened to see, well, what are those cartoons that are for adults? Um, family guy. As a matter of fact, that guy, I think the guy who made that's from the state I'm from. And a family guy thing was on. This is while my mother was still alive. And they made some quip about how the hell can adults be sitting here watching this cartoon. And the cartoon itself said, because these are the children of the 80s who have never grown up. That's why they're sitting here yeah. watching this cartoon. And all at once, that interview that I had been a part of, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's true. Mm -hmm. We're adult children walking around in America. We can't feed ourselves, most of us. We can't take care of ourselves. We're completely dependent on corporate systems. We take whatever they dish out, whatever terrible thing they say we need to do next to get their goods and services. We line up like lemmings. Um, there's a lot of truth. But as Caleb had said, there's a lot of people who were shaken into reality. They're waking up and they're saying, wait a minute, this is a bridge too far. Um, the problem is, is we don't know how many they are because everybody knows who controls the information systems. Um, mm -hmm. We're not going to get a true statement from the nightly news. And the Internet search engine well, is progressively I, worse every day. I, I, I'm going to add something in here, too, and say that. Uh, so let me use another thing as an example first to kind of make this point. So global agendas and everything. Um, you know how they're pushing the Ukraine narrative and the, the whole 
Taiwan narrative and everything. And meanwhile, all those same countries and their leaders and the, the corporations that are within them are still pushing the exact same global agenda. And if you notice a pattern in their PSYOP, you notice that um, they'll, they'll shove out in front of everybody, first thing, uh, you know, that, oh, this is going on, it's, it's all over the news, it's everywhere. Okay, and then they'll poke little bits of truth in there and then quickly retract them. And there's a reason for that. And it's mainly because they want those who are awake to look like um, conspiracy theorists or anything, any kind of negative connotation towards anybody that remembers this while everybody else gets it memory hold. Um. Now, take that same thing and apply it to that same kind of concept about little bits of truth poking out and then being retracted or a little bit of truth being poked out and then never talked about. Um, if you take, let's, let's say, for example, the, 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 what is it, the FBI's most recent thing about the, uh, who they, uh, they see as a domestic terrorist group, domestic violent extremists. Um, most of them just want to be left the hell alone. And if you actually look at, um, even back in the 80s with Reagan, with how many people are on a list, it's in the millions, tens of millions. You could probably use as, that number as an accurate number to describe how many people are woken up. <laughs> well, all the world's a stage. I mean, as I listen to what you're laying down, um, it's a stage, isn't it? It's all agenda. Um, I'm more like the Amish. I do not watch the news. I don't need a black box spewing agenda, lies and spells, and who knows how far the colors and the frequencies and all the things that hypnotize us have gone in. Has anyone recently seen? I was going to do an episode on where, of all innocuous shows you could imagine, America's Funniest Home Videos had come in because I was in a place of business and it was on and I saw it. Oh my God, the backgrounds are just open textbook hypnotizing, constantly moving, hypnotizing um, visual tricks. I recognized it instantly from the studies I had done. So I, I said to myself, how can how can people sit in front of that for an hour? They'd be literally hypnotized. And so when we go back to the news, yeah, you're right. They're using every dirty trick in the book. They're using revelation of method. They're, Lord knows what frequencies. Like, did you know that when you look at the hertz rate on the back of a television, that is how many times it is flashing in your face in one second? Some of these hertz rates are above 200. I've seen them even higher. Um, these things are all being used to great effect. And when someone wants to come tell me or judge me based on what they learn from the television, I'm not interested. If you want to come around thinking for yourself at some point, I'm all ears to have a conversation. But it takes all of about five seconds to hear the buzzwords, to hear the, mm -hmm. you know, the Ukraine, China, whatever it is, COVID, they're not even human beings thinking with their God-given facilities. They're just parroting what's been spewed at them from basically media. Yeah. And news is no less entertainment than a Hollywood movie. You, know, I, you, you, you mentioned Reagan as an example. How the hell is it that in Reagan's era we decided that a Hollywood actor was more than fit to be in the top position? And if you go look at the word 
The Greek word for actor is basically hypocrite. And in that time <laughs> when that meant something, they were not allowed to hold important jobs or public positions because you couldn't tell if they were acting. They were known to be duplicitous. And here we come, put a Hollywood actor in the presidency. Yeah, and then they put a, then they put, oh, what was it? Uh, Trump. That was, oh God, what show did he do? Reality TV. Yeah, 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 it's it's just still the same thing. And, and he wanted to he wanted to trademark the words "you're fired." There sounds like a man who has concerns <laughs> for the people. So, what about the natural prog- progression of, of what it is to be human? Um, I, I'm sure it had to have happened at some point within our timeline, but I mean, this is definitely not the evolution uh, of, of what it is to be human beings. But they're pushing their agenda and they're evolving humans in the way that they perceive it. What are your thoughts on like the natural progression or evolution of human beings? Like this, this, I don't know. It's kind of a weird question, but no, I see where you're going, but it's a tough one because history is provably a lie agreed upon. And then we have the cliches that folks who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it and all these other things. But I am of a mind with some of the smartest people that I know that this has happened many times before. We're just doing a different version. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you think about that, It creates problems in the way that we go about having leaders, right? Or if you would call it governance or whatever, it it seems to be a reoccurring problem. At first, we have all these good intentions and we have things like common law and constitutions, which appear to be having a care for the life of a man or a woman. And then suddenly we're going in this other direction where a corporation owns everything. Um, You know, I think uh, one of the... Because I understand the Constitution pretty well and exactly what it's supposed to mean versus what it's turned into. And uh, now that's another long conversation in itself because so many definitions and everything else has been altered and whatnot. But, um, like, oh, God, what's the what's the what? Where was, where was I going with that? Um, patent protections that is actually written into the Constitution. Interesting enough, the old royalty, like if you wanted to prove that you were well-born to get in a joust or something, they called that document a patent. So I think I see where you're going. Well, the thing is, patent protections, what it does is effectively secures that financial capability to that person for the rest of their life, or at least for a, a certain period of time, as and they say prescribed by law. Um, so they handed that power to the Congress, which is uh, that's about one of the only all all the powers of the congress are actually only in article 1 section 8 and it is heavily distorted these days but um like for example post roads no that's that's literally a an interstate road that you tie your horse to a post at night i, um, I, I have post roads <laughs> there's still post roads in this state believe it or not yeah but my point, point being though is that um when you have it, it's it's a major infringement on a free market you have um, you have protections of patents of an idea, and if someone else could make that idea better, uh, <laughs> you don't, um, they need they should be able to do so. Um, I'm trying to think of where I'm going with this, uh, how to word it. Um, point being though is when you protect that uh, what is that that financial. Um, commerce yeah when you when you protect the the, the financial um oh god what's they're looking for the the income off of that product that they did not produce but only the idea that they came up with it then what you have is 
you create monopolies. And that's directly because of an infringement on a free market. You don't have monopolies if their patents are protected, their ideas aren't protected. Um, because there's not enough, and then you add in there the fact that there's a Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve that effectively just prints money out of thin air these days. Now, there was um, 19, uh, what was it, uh, 1913, it had some semblance of a, um, of a gold standard to it, but that changed rather quickly. Uh, 33, 1933. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing, too, is, um, I forget which section is it, um, because there's only four laws that the that the constitu- that the Constitution authorizes the federal government to make, and that's uh, that's piracy, felonies on the high seas, or piracy and felonies on the high seas, offenses against the laws of nations, um, counterfeiting, and treason. Those four. Um, the funny thing is, when they've established the Federal Reserve, they authorized a private entity to counterfeit currency. Right. That's a good way to look at it. Effectively, exactly what they, well, what effectively they that right there undid everything, they, everything that the Constitution ever stood for. Now you go just a little before that and you go to the Dick Act, which was effectively nationalizing the concept of a National Guard. National Guard didn't really exist per se, except for under the direct authority of the states themselves that are supposed to be directly subordinate uh, to the population. In fact, Missouri's Constitution um, writes it. Oh, God, it's Article 1, Section... Oh, God. Article 1, Section 3, I believe. I have to look at it again. But, Is um, the, Dick, the Dick Act you're, you're referring the, the, to? The Dick Act, of, I think it's 1906. Isn't that one of the foundational right to bear free, you know, right to bear arms protections wrapped up in that? No, 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 no. Your right to keep and bear arms is a natural and adherent to your sovereignty. In fact, if you look at the uh, the writings of Tinch Cox um, from, uh, oh God, when did he do these? He was the strong. He was one of the really heavy writers about the concept of private ownership of weaponry and the people are supposed to be more armed than the government regardless but that's been flipped on its head i, I kind of like what uh uh what ben franklin said uh this constitution and it's what was it what was the term he used and its flaws if there are any uh will last for a term of years and can only end in despotism I guess recognizing the cycles, right? We mm-hmm. always seem to make strong starts, and then and the entire the entire apart. point of of writing it in such a way is because <laughs> the Civil War, uh, Lincoln really screwed things up too. Because one of the most basic principles, it, it, whether you everybody disagrees with slavery, everybody disagrees with all that, but that still doesn't give the federal government any power to enact war on a group of sovereign and independent states that are subject to the that are supposed to be subject only to their to the civil power of their populations um, from separating from that system in fact when the when the founders wrote the constitution their their whole idea was that you can you can either join or not um, 
If you don't want to join, you remain a territory. You're still sovereign. If you if you join in the, the you know sign on to that contract of the Constitution, um, to be part of the Union, to engage in the trade with the other states, with you know, uh, to make and it, to regulate interstate commerce or to make efficient interstate commerce, um, then you can. But you're still sovereign. Either way, um, the Tenth Amendment is very much the rule of construction. The powers not delegated to the United States nor prohibited to it by the states are reserved to the states and the people respectively. The reality is, is that the federal government is a subordinate if you're talking about how it's written. And under any circumstance in which the federal government decides to overstep its bounds... The states and the people have the sovereign right to blatantly disobey it. And in fact, James Madison said, refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union. The whole idea of of the Constitution and how it's supposed to be is built on the concept of rebellion by the people. Not necessarily revolution or armed conflict, but disobedience and rebellion by the people. But... As time has gone on and TV, entertainment, keeping people distracted, making things artificially easy, you now have, oh, let's see here. You had the greatest generation which fought World War II, and they did so willingly. Um, They saw it as a, you know, they had gotten, you know, just came out of a depression. A lot of them need... Needed money, needed a job. Caleb, Caleb, real quick, sorry. You, you, you impact a lot of information right there. I'm just ki- kind of curious on your thoughts on that, Crow. Um, I'm not a constitutional scholar. I have people like KL um, who has broken down things like the Civil War, and he lays down the dates of how we came to be um, regarded as we are by the authority. Um, a lot of people are starting to implement his methods to, I don't want to use the word sovereign, but people get what I'm at, to reclaim the fact that they're living men and women. A lot of people are going at this. But in terms of the nuts and bolts of constitutional things, that's I'm not really the guy to talk about that. For sure. Um, I, I, I comprehend the dates where things changed. I comprehend, you know, like 33, the gold standard, the, the big things I comprehend. But for me, um, the Constitution, um, yeah, we could know all about it. You know, Obama was supposedly a constitutional scholar. What did it do for anyone? The reason, yeah, is that's that, that was a blatant, that, they, that was they, a blatant they lie. The guy's a former apply CIA to you agent, or me, according to them. According to them, the Constitution does not apply to us, though they will not say it in public. It's proven every time you walk into a courtroom. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're getting close to the top of the hour. We got like I think about seven or eight more minutes with you, sir, and. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of John Levy by chance? Um, is he in the UK? No, he's he's actually out in Utah. John Levy. He talks about like Tartaria and mud floods. I don't know if you're if that piques your interest at all. Um, no, not really. Um, I, the the problem with what we're doing is on on March 11 of 2020, we doubled down the shows we delivered, and it was already quite a feat to deliver one well-researched show a week. So the truth is, is I surf very little. Most of the time I'm busy in the research um, because we're going to do one on Wednesday. We're going to do one on Sunday and it's a never ending cycle. So I just don't have a lot of time to 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 just kick back and look at other things. For sure. So he's kind of along the lines of uh, uh, kind of he, he kind of broke down the exposés, like kind of like how he did. 
um, just a tad bit. But he's more of um, that the, the world's been through multiple resets. And the, the last one that he could discover was through a mud flood. And there was this massive mud flood, basically. And you can there's evidence of it because under, under a lot of buildings are buildings. So I, I don't know. It's just kind of fascinating. If you ever have time, check his workout. He's, he's pretty interesting. Well, I've considered, I've wondered that if we are at a so-called age change, does this kind of thing go on at some level every time we're at an age change? If the truth of that was yes, which I'm not sure exactly how we prove it, you know, uh, it's very difficult to prove concretely many things now with information becoming what it's become. But that would be just over every 2,000 years. Who knows? Um, But certainly, I think we've done versions of this many times before. And that's probably also contributing to why history is a lie that we all agree on, that we fake like it's true. And by the way, Napoleon Bonaparte is credited with that little cliche. So, so don't you think that um, tying into that, the world that we live in, and, and of course, in my opinion, that's a lie as well. What is the importance of understanding what it is that we live on? Because we're taught, you know, right whenever you hit kindergarten, one of the first things you learn is that the earth is round and that's... Uh, this is what it is in the universe and the stars. Why Why is that probably one of the, the first things that they want to teach a child? It's the no, no different than what came to be in the computer age, where the idea was is if you put bad data into a computer, then you would get bad data out of a computer. Bad data in, bad data out. So what they're basically doing is taking a young mind and putting it in a fantasy-based reality. And some of these fantasies are foundational, like where am I? And if you don't know where you are, you have no idea where you can go. And if you are mistaken about the foundational ideas of what here is, then almost all the decisions you make throughout your life are tinged in error um, or worse. And not only that, it puts you in a permanent spin cycle. What I, when this first broke, when I filmed the lunar wave, I held on to it for a year. I released it in, I think, October 2013, exactly one month later, the flat earth movement exploded and everybody was pointing to the lunar wave footage saying things like, well, if we don't know everything we thought we knew about the moon, then what else is a lie here? But what happened is people started saying, well, is this true? Is this true? I was just like everyone else. I said, man, I know most of what we face is a lie, but I can't answer this question. So I did two things. I invented a mental experiment for myself and I got a hell of a long telephoto to go out and shoot across the lake to see if I could see too far. To cut to the chase, I could. And I instantly know the curvature model was false because I could see further than I should be able to. The second thing I did was I was big in meditation. So I shut my eyes, I cleared my mind, and I walked outside into the sunlight and I faced the creation and I imagined that everything I had been told in school was true. I'm spinning faster than a speeding bullet that is spinning around the sun that is spinning around a galaxy that galaxy is spinning around some other thing and i imagined all that and i did it for 10 15 minutes then i went inside went about my day an hour or two later i sat down i cleared my mind i meditated for a minute i shut my eyes and then i went outside and i imagined i'm perfectly stable i'm not spinning around anything and for the first time in my life I realized I had found stability, and it never left me from that moment. All at once, the experience of just that, already knowing that I could see too far for what I'd been told to be true, that changed everything for me. And suddenly, I had a solid foundation to live my life from. 
and I hadn't had that. And not only that, I was doing things like imagining sea level didn't mean what it means. Um, water finds level. That's a fact, Jack. That's natural law. And yet we corrupt that idea with what we're taught in school. And so the big problem is we want to know so much more. We want to see accurate maps. We want to know all kinds of things that are not really evident at this point. We're learning. But what we have learned is that the lies are so immense that there is nothing that should not be challenged. 100%, man. I'm right there with you. It's just... For me, I guess, and everyone wants to know, you know what I'm saying, how we became and, and how this world is and when what it really is. And it's just, it's fascinating, man, the, that the amount of evidence that suggests that the, the realm is not what we're told is very staggering and, and people aren't willing to accept that. And I get it, you know, with the amount of lies and deception that we've talked about throughout this podcast. But to me, I, you know, I can just only hope and pray for society that we do move forward and, and we, we take these things into consideration and, try, and truly try to find truth. Because, I mean, I mean, you put me on a plane, let's go fly over Antarctica. Let me see what's going on over there. You know, that, that would be very interesting. One, one might argue that it should be our birthright to comprehend where it is we exist and what are the true boundaries of this realm. And another big thing is in the midst of all that hubbub, about this new movement starting challenging where it is we exist, as they should, right or wrong, whether they've gotten parts of it right or whether they've gotten parts of it wrong, whether they've got it all wrong, challenging it, that's what a free society does. It challenges things. Um, what I realized was I was doing videos at the time and I became fascinated by how many map projections there were. There were, geez, just Dozens and dozens of them. There's a Peters, a Gall Peters, a Mercator projection, all these projections. And I became interested because they told us that the reason Antarctica is infinite across the bottom of the Mercator is because it's from a globe and they had to figure out a way to make it flat. So I collected, I don't know, eight, nine different projections and I laid them all out on my computer screen and instantly I realized something. Each one of these is a lie. Each one of them is different. Each one of them claims something else is true, and there is no way to prove which one is the most accurate, which by logic would dictate they are all wrong until I have a reason to comprehend or be able to accept that one of them is correct or more correct than the others. And that's when it dawned on me that I don't even know the shape of the continent I'm standing on. For that matter, if that's true, I probably don't even know how many continents there are and all these other ideas. And so when you talk about these, the people who want to remain safe and hold on to what they were taught in school have real problems with talking about these things. But over time, people come around and they either decide, I don't wanna know the truth, they'll think things like, what difference does it make? Or they will begin to realize these are important ideas. I might have children someday. I would like my children to know where they are and by proxy where they can go and we're not there right now. And so as all these ideas came to the front, the thing that changed more than anything, whether this flat earth idea is wrong or it's not right or whatever, it doesn't matter. What was learned is that there is no idea that is untouchable. There is no law, rule, textbook that should not be challenged at every level because what we have found is that in fact, history is a lie agreed upon and this is true of all our textbooks. Somebody decided what's going in them, and it mattered not whether they could be proven. They were accepted, and they were pushed forward. 
And so now we're in the era of people waking up and challenging so many things that never used to be challenged. And that's the way it should be. That is a free society yeah. using free will. Well, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I've been contacting Howdy Mikowski as well. He, he's writing one of, the, I think, his third or fourth book on Plato's Cave and how life is an illusion. Um, he did send me the first chapter, man. I got to read it, and it's very, I'm very excited, man. I know he's releasing it early September. He's uh, coming on. When he releases it, he's going to come on Crow 777 Radio. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, I've had some great talks with Howdy. Uh, he's done the, the World's Fairs and Expositions. Uh, he's done a fantastic job of doing what I just said, pointing out all the problems in logic of the things we're told. And, you know, this building held a million people, but it was only a facade. Really? Well, where were the million people's bathrooms and, you know, the plumbing? And, you know, he just went in basic nuts and bolts and ripped it all apart. And as for the world as an illusion, this is where we run into trouble because Eastern societies maybe thought differently than we did and had ways of dealing with this that we aren't really equipped to. But what I did is I said, is this world really an illusion? And I thought, how can it be if I jump off a cliff? I'm going to die. I'll hit the ground and go flat. That's reality, isn't it? And then I began to realize that words have meaning and definitions matter. So what is it that would allow us to th say a thing truly exists? Wouldn't permanence have to be part of that? So in this world, the only thing that I'm aware of that has permanence or doesn't change constantly is gold. And that's why it was used so heavily in alchemy and as representations of the sun. And what I began to realize is a rock and a cloud. Well, one of those things we don't think is very here. You know, it's, it's transitional, that cloud. But that rock, that's solid. We can count on that, right? And then I realized there's really no difference. In the same way the cloud is dissipating, so is the rock. It's just that the cloud will do it much more quickly. And in that line of thought, for me proves the illusion. And um, while it doesn't mean this place is fake, what it does mean is there is a truth that can be comprehended about what it means to be here. It's hard to explain in contemporary terms. Rock on, man. No, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. How is he a great guy? And it's, it's, you know, I'm happy for him releasing this book. And again, the first chapter was really awesome. Um, I don't know if you have any lasting thoughts, Caleb, or any last questions for crow here before we get him off the show i think i'm good yeah crow it's been a pleasure man I, can you just tell people real quick where, where they can find you i'll definitely put it in the links below and all that good stuff sure we've pretty much bailed on social media any social media that we do have is just an advertisement for crow triple seven radio.com so that's c-r-r-o-w seven 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 radio.com the way we do it is we give away a free hour and then we protect free speech with a member area which is also what supports all the tech support, the private server, and everything allows us to be free of the censorship of social media. Also, anyone who's a member, um, and it's you know it's eight bucks a month, and we're doing what eight shows uh, a month now. So basically, it's a buck a show. Anyone who is a member gets shoot the moon for free. And just for people who've never heard of it, Jason, my co-host, came to me and said we need to make a movie about all the telescope work you did for half a decade. And I kept telling him, no, I don't want to do that. And then finally he said, you know, you should say what you think is correct while you're alive, because after you're dead, people are going to have a lot of things to say about your work. So I did it. 
So we did a full two-hour feature film with almost every interesting, unusual, and mind-blowing piece of footage. I filmed through big telescopes, full-spectrum cameras, solar scopes, all that I did, and we released it. And then I thought, oh, this is going to go over like a Led Zeppelin. Nobody's ready for this. And then lo and behold, we got the first, Jason got the first Laurel. We've got 10 Laurels now. The last two came from Mumbai, Jaipur, India, the Chicago Film Festival. 10 awards have been given. And I was so thankful that people were ready to consider because in that film, I basically say the following. All the space agencies are in a club and they're here to do one single thing to ensure you know nothing about what's going on in the sky over your head. But there's all that. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I appreciate your time. And, and uh, you know, hopefully down the road, later down the road, we can do another one of these. And we'll continue to, to listen to Indy Crow, 777radio.com, man. Uh, have a blessed day, man. If I'm, if I'm free, I'm happy to do it. And it was nice to meet you, Carolyn. And I'd like to wish you guys a happy, healthy, hour-minded new era. <laughs> right back at you, my man. Cheers. Cheers. <sighs>